This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Stephanie Barnes, Chief Chaos Organizer at IntelliKey, to talk about what's next for knowledge management. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. Thanks. Happy to be here. So, Stephanie, I know that you have some really exciting ideas about the future of KM, and I am so excited to learn about those. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into knowledge management? Sure. I've been working in knowledge management. Well, I had that in my title somehow for about 22 years, um, so a long time. Um, got into it as a job when I was at Hewlett-Packard and, um, yeah, started there with the whole implementing some technology and aligning people, process, and technology to make it all work together nicely and went out on my own in 2003. So I've been self-employed doing knowledge management for other organizations for 18 years this month. And uh, so it's been great fun, worked all over the place and, and uh, yeah, it's been good. Awesome. Very cool. So um, if anybody uh, Googles your name, the first thing they're going to learn about is this radical KM idea. So can you give us a little bit of an overview and introduction to what radical KM is all about? Sure. Radical KM, the short version, which I know we don't really want for this, um, but the short version is it's about adding creativity in. Um, but the, the longer version is that we've really had our our creativity educated out of us. We've become so focused on fitting inside the box. You know, I have an undergrad in accounting and, you know, an MBA in IT. So it was all about fitting in box and being efficient and, and effective and, you know, productive and all of these things. And those things, there's nothing wrong with those things, except that the world has changed. Um, and the world has changed significantly in the last two and a half years. And I feel like it's now time people are recognizing that maybe the way things have been done for years isn't isn't the way that they're going to be done now and into the future because because we're in a different world so radical km really is about recognizing that change and and mapping a way forward for all the knowledge professionals out there and there's lots of them so totally and i, I want to get more into kind of like how that might apply in a little bit but first i wanted to kind of bring up a sticking point because it seems to me like one of the foundational ideas of radical km is that we're we need to or we will move to these more creative self-organizing self-determined ways of working and that whole concept drives a lot of these other ideas that are also swirling around like teal organizations and holacracies and uh, methodologies like agile and design thinking so what would you say to people that say that this whole concept of new work Maybe it matters for some companies, but it's just never going to apply to their organization, their industry, their part of the world, and and so on. What will you say to the naysayers out there? Um, to be perfectly blunt, um, I would say, no, you're wrong. <laughs> um, and I actually want to take a step back because I think the foundation of Radical KM is is the acknowledgement that the way that we have been working is fundamentally wrong. Um, and I think that's the, the difference between radical KM and agile and, and those other things that you mentioned is they are still somehow working within the existing framework. And radical KM, I feel like is saying, 
no, the, the, that framework is wrong. We need to go back to the basics, go back 2,500 years and go, we screwed it up 2,500 years ago and that split between body and mind and, and creativity and analytical. And, and if you look at, um, you know, First Nations or Aboriginal cultures, um, look at the, the East, you know, rather than Western philosophy, it's to take a more holistic um, view of things and more integrated view of things and they're much more sustainable in in their approach and that's something that that we lost in in doing taking this divide and conquer kind of approach and so I think we need to to um, I get that it's scary and I get that I'm probably going to get a lot of pushback on that <laughs> um, but but I really feel quite strongly about it. And that's what the, the my Radical KM paper is, is saying, you know, all these be behaviors that we're trying to get people to, to exhibit, you know, around sustainability and bigger picture and relationship building and all of these things. I have a, the paper lists out like 25 different behaviors. And what struck me about it is, well, these are all behaviors that are learned from tapping into our creativity. If we hadn't had it educated out of us, we would have those behaviors, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't be in the situation that we're, we're in. And yet, yeah, we kind of um, refuse to see that truth. Mm. Well, let's kind of like dive down, like kind of make this real for folks. So let's kind of like compare the KM end user experience, you know, and it's kind of a fuddy-duddy way of putting it, but, you know, a traditional, you know, kind of like KM program of today versus kind of the more radical KM experience. So maybe we could take, let's say like a, a project manager, somebody who like really, you know, uses a lot of KM and for them, you know, the, the current state might be going to a community of practice to learn a couple of things. Um, you know, using search to turn up some reusable project assets. Like that's what KM is kind of like for them now. So what does the radical version look like? Yeah. And that, and that part isn't going to go away. You know, that still is, is there. It's, it's necessary, but not sufficient is, is what I say to people. And it's that, that project manager, maybe in their, their meetings, just to get people thinking differently, problem solving differently, looking at the world differently, um, needs to integrate some little creative icebreakers in their their meetings you know this isn't necessarily a big intervention those are available too if you're really trying to do some a bigger initiative you know maybe a project kick a project kickoff and and doing you know some significant planning and you know visioning and, and things you know we can talk about a bigger intervention in that case but but regular people are just it's really about just making a bit of space for, for doing something creative, challenging some the status quo, looking at things differently. So like I said, I have some little icebreaker things that I do in, in my meetings. And it's just about, partly it's about getting people out of their comfort zones and thinking about things differently. Um, but also it's about, you know, I start a lot of my meetings and my workshops and things off with a guided meditation. That's just about centering and, and you know, leaving the stuff especially now that a lot of people are still working at home um, and will be, that's, you know, going to be part of the future. Um, you know, they, having a couple of minutes of a guided meditation to focus on what we're going to be talking about instead of, you know, the dog threw up on the carpet or, <laughs> you know, whatever has happened just before you turned on the Zoom. Um, yeah, it really helps. And, and 
and I that was one of the things I started with um, when the, the all the lockdown and stuff happened a year and a half ago was mm. was doing these little workshops with a half an hour half an hour little creative activity and the start with the guided meditation and people really reacted mm. quite positively to the guided meditation and it's just a silly little letting go visualization letting go of a flower but it really brought some some peace in the, the middle of the chaos so just little, little things like that to start a meeting that's all the project managers really need to do it's not some big scary you know you don't have to paint like da vinci or anything like that so you don't have to paint paint the mona lisa and have it hang in the louvre that's not what we're talking about <laughs> very cool so it sounds like um you know for people in the business have like a, a little bit more empowerment to like kind of do their own km in their own way so what again kind of returning to that compare and contrast you know radical km versus traditional what is the role of the km team look like so if if today it's kind of like your your core km team that sits somewhere in a kind of centralized location maybe they have a couple of folks that like work in business units maybe they don't and you know they're they fill that kind of like support role sometimes in a more back-end way um, you know, I think you kind of know what I'm talking about as far as like the traditional setup. So what, what does the radical version look like? Yeah, I think not that much difference. You know, it's really not an, an either or. Um, it's, it's a both and, right? So you still need to do that stuff. You're still going to need to have the technology and the search figured out and the, the ontology of taxonomy figured out and the metadata and, and all that stuff. It's that um, we will include a bit of space for some reflection and and the core km team instead of just being you know able to to do that technical rational analytical part you know is now better positioned to say you know what we could really do some problem solving around this and use some creative interventions to do things differently and come up with something that's really new and and innovative and creative and looking at things differently um so but it's not a straight line you know that's and that's the thing with agile and design thinking and, and those other methodologies there's nothing wrong with them but they've taken all the space out for the reflection mm. so it's just about making a bit more space for some reflection and some questions absolutely so if uh km teams you know established you know your kind of traditional km teams want to start moving toward um radical km what are their what are their steps for that which they kind of prioritize does it make sense to make like a plan to get to radical km it almost <laughs> seems like it's uh you know like uh yeah the, like that would be against the whole concept so how would you, well, what would you say? <laughs> it's, it's like km it's km's a big change initiative right and, and and change is a big part of of knowledge management and that never goes away so the first step would be start socializing some of these ideas and doing some of these things as part of the change management you know as part of the communication and education and and the training program that that is part of of km anyway so just introducing the idea of okay you know we're gonna we're gonna try something new and see how it works you know and and this is the thing it's a trial and error of 
let's try let's try a scribble drawing today or let's try let's try the guided meditation let's try you know something to get us out of our comfort zones and thinking about the problems that we're trying to solve a little bit differently um the questions that we're we need to ask so yeah. is there anything that you would say um you know uh kind of established km teams need to stop doing if they need to if they want to go this route um i don't think so stop 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 not making time for reflection <laughs> did i get I'll enough negative, double negatives in there because <laughs> really i want them to make time for reflection and that's really what i mean knowledge management hopefully for most organizations somehow it's about learning right mm-hmm. And and so with learning, you need time for reflection. It's not just about going to the database all the time and, and pulling up the answers. Lots of times the answer isn't there. And then, oh, my God, what do you do? You know, this is when you start having to research and go, well, what has this come up before? You know, what happened or what happened on another project or, you know, and doing this research. And that's really part of what Radical KM helps enable is that that problem solving mm. is that looking at things like okay so the answer is not in the database what am i going to do now um and the other thing with with red came is it's about the fact that that we don't just learn in our minds right it's not learning doesn't just happen in our brains um it happens in our whole body so tapping into our creativity and using some of these artistic interventions mm. helps tap into that memory that that exists in our body. Um, so yeah, so the the KM team that really need to start thinking about things differently and, and recognizing that we've gone from, you know, 20 years ago when I started in, in KM, it was certainly all about databases and repositories and documenting everything. And and but the our world has changed and has shifted and has become so VUCA, if I can say VUCA, you know, volatile, uncertain, um, complex, and ambiguous. And we need some different skill sets because the answer isn't in the database. Mm. Things are changing too quickly. And so um, Radical KM is really about relearning our creativity so that we can be more adaptable and resilient and know what to do when the database doesn't have the answer because the database doesn't have the answer, (laughs) you know. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned skills in there. So I kind of wanted to kind of hear a little bit more from you on that. Um, You know, it sounds like creativity, I guess, you know, do you want to call that a skill or not, is kind of the number one thing here. But how do you kind of break that down into something a little more tangible that people can start to kind of focus on and cultivate in themselves? (laughs) I don't. yeah, and I sort of jest there, but um, I really recommend people just get out of their heads, you know, and and do something different, you know, do something that makes them uncomfortable. And that's a big part of the, the workshops and stuff that I do. We paint, which freaks a lot of people out. Um, and I like that, you know, and they like it too. They just don't know it when they first walk in um, or start because we do them all virtually now. But, you know, that doing something that you're afraid of or that's new or that's different that's that taps into your creativity because you've got a problem solve and you got to do you've never done it before so I don't I don't know I don't know how to put paint on the canvas or you know a lot of times 
people have had a bad experience with with art in school and so having the experience in the workshops that that I do where you know I'm encouraging them and you know supportive and not certainly not yelling at them um you know and telling them oh they're going to fail you know their course because they got brown and they're yellow um like that's just not going to happen I don't you got brown and you're yellow great good <laughs> you know excellent congratulations now what are you going to do you know because that's like life and so this is why I paint and and use paint and canvases it's not, and don't do it digitally you know people have said to me well can we just use an an app and do it all on our laptops and i no <laughs> because we need to learn we how to cope without an undo button and so we got brown in the yellow okay great what are we going to do how are we going <laughs> to change what we're doing to accommodate the brown and the yellow you know and it's the same thing as with when we're talking to somebody and maybe we get angry and we yell or, you know, something happens and it's like, well, you've said that. How do you recover from that? How do you apologize and rebuild the trust? And so, you know, this is this is the kind of things that we talk about when we're doing the, the workshops and the, the activities is, OK, great, we've painted. But how does this apply to the rest of life and how do we take these things? Because they're core transferable skills. Creativity is a core transferable skill, as is communication, you know, and so how do we take this and move this over? So people call them soft skills, but they're anything but soft. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. So you mentioned, you know, folks were like, can we just do this on an app? And, and you were like, no, we can't do this on the app. But what about in scenarios where like that's kind of the only option, you know, for folks to interact where, you know, the organization is fully remote or, or someone is fully remote, you know, how do you kind of bridge the gap when there's a, a fully remote or hybrid work environment to kind of create that sense of belonging and creativity and exploration? So the icebreakers I was mentioning, we can do them all. I can do them all online, um, you know, or virtually. But we, so one of the things we do a lot of times in the, the meetings, they're qu little quick things to do, and I do them in a lot of my, my shorter sessions, is scribble drawings. But people still need a pen and a paper, and they scribble on the, the paper. They hold it up to the, the camera afterwards, you know, but they still are using pen and paper. I'm doing a, um, a workshop later this week, or a course later this week, and we're going to be be painting and we use paint and, and canvas and they will set the laptop up you know at the end of the table or on the desk sort of close by a table close by and paint on the paint and canvas and hold the canvas up and you know so it's doable and 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 it's interesting to me the first time I did it I wasn't quite sure you know how this was really going to work um, but it really was quite similar to being in a room together because when you're in the room together and we're all on, on the tables, the only difference is that I can walk around behind people and, and talk to them and, and things and have that, that kind of interaction. But people still ask the questions and they ask, amazingly enough, the same questions. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens when I mix this paint? Or what happens if I do this? You know, And my answer is the same. Try it and see. That's what the it's about is experimentation and try and see. Don't 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 go to the database in this case me and expect an answer because I'm not going to give you an answer. I'm going to say try it and see. Have that experience. So if you make mud, 
you make mud, we'll figure it out, you know? So if you do something great, that's wonderful too. But the, the that's about the learning. So yeah, there are ways, but it still is analog. <laughs> <laughs> no, I dig it. I think that a lot of folks would, would uh, appreciate a little analog right now. Um, one last question on Radical KM uh, in particular. Uh, another kind of group of naysayers I got to bring in who are like, but how can you measure all of this? And I have to, you know, report out to whoever to keep my budget, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I think that a lot of the ideas you're proposing would freak out those people who are all about the numbers. So, you know, what uh, words of hope or wisdom can you offer there? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and the accountant in me, you know, has a, has a, has a, a soft spot for um for the numbers so i get that and there are numbers um and it was interesting once i started to really dig into this um some and i'm gonna forget her name and i apologize to her but she's done a lot of work um around measuring creativity and so there are measurements there are numbers and but and it's like km itself in that you need to tie it back to the business objectives um and and come up with what's specific for that organization and that you know so what is the impact of doing this you know the there's numbers around employee engagement um there's numbers around increased uh, there's a case study that was published by um harvard business review um, about 10 years ago that talked about creative leadership um, and the impact that creative leadership, which is about making the environment um, um, conducive for creativity. Um, so ties into what we're talking about um, with Radical KM, you know, the, I think the numbers were six times higher profit growth um, by making a creative environment and giving people that flexibility and autonomy. Um, so there are numbers out there it's not I know people get all oh well it's it's all touchy-feely there's no numbers to it there are numbers to it so you know and like I said much like KM much like learning itself so because that's ultimately what it's it's in facilitating so absolutely uh, well, uh, last question for you I ask you to look into your crystal ball and uh, tell me what you think KM will be like in the next 10 years Oh, um, let's see, my crystal ball. I hope in the next 10 years that KM programs are not just facilitating the rational analytical part of KM, but they are have embraced radical KM are, and are facilitating and enabling people to, to challenge assumptions and to do be more creative in their approaches and innovative and, and flexible and yeah, and, and that they have, have embraced that. And they, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years. Uh, a cheeky bonus question. Uh, if you don't mind. Sure. I, I think that you, I assume that because it's in the title of, of, of your idea that you're, you're, you think that, uh, we'll still call it KM. Oh, or do you think we'll, we'll change the name? Do you think we'll grow out I of it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have been having this conversation for 20 odd years <laughs> about KM, whether KM was the right name or not. Um, and there's a lot of discontent with, with KM, with the name KM and, and sort of consensus that it should be called something different. 
but nothing different has ever stuck. <laughs> we still keep coming back to KM. Um, you know, in some ways, it's a reasonable descriptor of what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about things that facilitate or activities that facilitate the knowledge economy. You know, so technology, people, process, creativity, they all facilitate knowledge workers. You know, this is so... This is, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, if it's going to change, I think that would be okay. I have no idea what, <laughs> what it should change to. I don't know that there's, there's anything, yeah, better than, there's probably, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been asking folks and uh, I'd say, you know, maybe a 50-50 split on should it change or not, but uh, I haven't heard too many great new ideas for what it's supposed to be so we'll see no, <laughs> no like i say i've been hearing we've been talking about this with people i've been talking about this with people for 20 years so yeah it's yeah we'll, we'll see what happens yeah absolutely well thank you so much for coming on the podcast stephanie oh, you're welcome thank you for having me thanks mercy so if our listeners want to learn more about your work, they can visit realization-of-potential.com. And uh, we'll also include a link to your paper in the episode description, if that's okay. Um, yeah, that's great. And they awesome. can just go to um, radicalkm.com as well. That's easier. Oh, that is easier. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for listening to this APQC podcast. Please visit apqc.org to learn more, and we hope you'll have a great rest of your day.